Sanctuary family, it's me, Pastor Edrin, and you are listening to the first of what we hope will be many episodes of our podcast. And we don't have a great name for this yet, but right now we're calling it Beyond Sunday Conversations. Um, it's going to be an opportunity for myself, Pastor Rose, our staff, and other invited guests to come and have conversations that are too long to have on Sunday, um, that live into our life as a congregation. And so, um, Pastor Rose, welcome to Beyond 20, uh, Beyond Sunday, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. This yeah, is we'll, exciting. We'll get that name figured out, right? Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, I'm excited to sit down with you and do this first one. Um, and officially, you're going to be interviewing me. So, I'm going to actually hand over the reins to you Um and this is your show now, so you, you can lead. <laughs> awesome. I get to live out my dream of being um, a talk show host yes, here. So. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you sanctuary audience, it's great to have you with us today. Uh, we get to dive in uh, and, as Pastor Edron said, go a little deeper. Yeah. And so we thought it would be good to start at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a natural place to begin, that's right? Fair. Right. So for those who may be new listeners, maybe mm-hmm. they're tuning in um, because they've come to Sanctuary a few times, um, but maybe they don't quite know the full story right. of Sanctuary. And it's a right. good story, right? It's a great it's, story. It's a good story. And yeah. so let's go back to the beginning a little bit. Can you share with us um, a little bit, just give us that snapshot of our founding vision but also, you know, that the who we are, like our, our founding um, values, mm-hmm. um, but also just that identity of what makes sanctuary sanctuary, yeah, yeah. whether it's that elevator speech version <laughs> right, of right. it. But regardless, share a little bit about our founding vision, especially sharing more about our intentional local focus here in North right. Minneapolis. Right. Yeah. We Sanctuary is a really special place. And you know this. You've been here as long as I have, longer than I have. Um, I'm coming up on 12 years. You're coming up on 13 years here on staff. And uh, Sanctuary as a church, we just recently celebrated our 20th anniversary. And so for 20 years, um, we have been uh, trying to live out this this, what I would call, rather unique vision that God has given our church. Uh, We were planted back in 2003 by uh, Reverend Dr. Ephraim Smith, um, an incredible leader from the Twin Cities who had a vision of uh, creating a church that was um, honoring of his uh, Black Baptist Church roots as as a kid. His family had been pastors and had been a part of a traditional church here on the South Side. Um, but he wanted to also do something that would connect to younger people like the students he was coaching and teaching at Minneapolis Public Schools um, here in the city. And so um, Sanctuary is what evolved out of that vision that he had. And it, um, the church is a an urban, multi-ethnic, multiplying movement. And we'll get into all those terms and what they mean. Um, but I, I love when I first heard about Sanctuary um, over 12 years, 13, 14 years ago now, it, the, the tagline was that the church wanted to be a snap, uh, like a, a sneak preview of heaven. Um, like folks who would normally not be in relationship with each other, folks who, based on race, class, gender, um, maybe 
voting preferences, who would not be involved in each other's lives? Um, what would it look like for there to be a church for those folks to be intentionally involved in each other's lives, um, pursuing Jesus together and doing a lot of good in the city? And so um, Sanctuary as a church also had a reputation of early on using um, hip hop and other creative forms to draw people into uh, the church and into a uh, relationship with Jesus and others. And so the church grew really, really fast um, and grew really, really big, really fast. And so uh, meeting in various schools, they had to move to um, larger schools that could accommodate them. And um, I remember serving another church here in the Twin Cities, here in North Minneapolis, actually, and hearing about this younger church sanctuary that was really, really doing some some really cool stuff. And so um Many, many years later now, I, I get to give some leadership to the team here and be a part of what God's doing in the lives of the incredible people who call this place home. And so um, I, I still I'm, I'm surprised at times that I, this is where I landed. This is where God called me. Um, had never heard of the Covenant Church before I came here. But I love this place and I love the people and I love the uniqueness of the work. And so I'm just honored to be a part of what God's doing here. Amen. That's yeah. awesome. You know, yeah. PE, I always love hearing you tell the story of sanctuary. Yeah. And so even if you've, if our listeners have heard it a million right. times, it's just <laughs> always so good to be reminded of who we are. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. And I, I love telling it in the sense that it keeps reminding me of like what's most important here. Like, you you know, we've served in ministry for a long time. We've seen a lot of programs come and go. We've seen a lot of things happen in the world. But the core of who Sanctuary is, I believe we've really tried to do our best to honor the, the ethos of this place and honor Pastor Ephraim's work and honor Pastor Dennis's work here. And um, I'm just really, really excited about the future of this place. So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's also like a timeless vision in so many right. ways. I mean, I even pulled out the documents, the founding yeah. documents right. today, I which I, I know them. you read those a lot <laughs> right. too. Right. And just some of the words like urban, yeah. of course, that's always going to describe who right. we are, Absolutely. but also like holistic yeah. and relevant. Yeah. And those, I think really are those cornerstones of right. what makes sanctuary sanctuary right we, yeah. we keep having to come back to those and so at least once a year sometimes more than that um i will try to work into a sermon or a sermon series um what was that founding vision what was pastor ephraim and those families that started out here at sanctuary what were they after um that's important for our congregation new people who are coming in but it's also really really important for us who are in leadership and who are serving on staff here to know like someone came before us, someone handed us something very precious after they had stewarded it for a while, for a while, and we're now responsible for it. And then someday we're going to hand this thing off too to others. And so um, stewardship really is a good word for what I'm hoping we, we're doing um, both now and in the future. So Absolutely. And I think you have stewarded so well. Yeah. Thank you, Sanctuary PR. as like your your baby. Or right, really, I right. mean, you it's really. my third child. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and it, I mean, I really see you in that shepherding role. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shepherding sanctuary as your sheep and so as your flock. And so yeah. I'm curious. I mean, I work alongside you closely. Mm-hmm. And so I can, I, I know kind of the ins and outs about uh, at least a little bit, I think. <laughs> a lot, a lot of bit. <laughs> yes, a okay. Uh, what, it, what it means to be 
a pastor, at, what it right. means to be the lead pastor at Sanctuary. Right. There, right. That's something very particular. I right. mean, there's even research that shows that it's one of the hardest right. jobs right. to lead, to yeah. be a person of color, right. and to lead a multi-ethnic church. Yeah. And so just let us, I want to just um, um, prompt that just a little bit more, right. or probe that a little bit more. Like, right. can you... Can we go a little bit de- deeper? Can you share what it's like for you, what it's been like to yeah. lead sanctuary, especially as a black-led, black-centered, right. urban, multi-ethnic church? I mean, all of those things mean something right. very particular, right. and none of them are easy. None. Like, we really went above and beyond <laughs> right. in our vision. Right. Like, we, right. we yeah. Uh, so... So just help us to understand what is it like to lead sanctuary, especially in the yeah. last five years. Right. I mean, it, right. It, it's been just a little hard. Yeah, we've had a few things right. going on in yes. the world yes. over the last five years. I, I, I actually start before, I'll start before I became the lead pastor. Um, when I was Pastor Dennis, one of his associate pastors, um, like Pastor Dennis and I had really good relationship. I was always honest with him about my de- desire at some point to become a, a, a lead pastor. I didn't know it would be here, but I was just really honest with him that I felt that that at some point um, I would lead a church. And so um, he was gracious enough that while he was leading here, he just would regularly spend time with me, allowing me to see how he led the church and giving me space to ask questions of, Pastor Dennis, why did you do it that way? Or when you said this today in the staff meeting, like what was behind that? And um, we just had that kind of relationship. He would allow me to sometimes sit in um, in meetings with him or even go to meetings when he couldn't make it. And so I thought um, coming into the role that I had a really good sense of what it meant to be a senior pastor. And I felt like it was going to be a seamless transition. You're just moving into that first seed and you already know what's going on. I... I I'm surprised how little I understood about the role before I got there. Um, one of the first things that that really became clear for me was that without some intentionality, being a lead pastor can be very lonely and isolating. Um, there's a pressure that you feel when you sit in that first seat um, that others get a, cl- a glimpse of and maybe have some feeling of a sense of what it's like. Um, but there's a weight that comes with the work um, that I, I did not really anticipate or feel fully until I, I sat in that place. Um, there's a, a sense in which you, you feel responsible for people in a very different way um, because you know people look to their pastor for, for guidance, for a word of encouragement, um, for, for, gui- for, for boundaries even. And if it it brings to the surface a lot of your own stuff, trying to lead other people. Um, and, and so I've had to be very, very intentional about my own self-care and healing and my own work. Um, I, I make no uh, secret about the fact that I, I'm in regular therapy and, and I, I believe in some ways like I could maybe not needed as much if I were doing something very different. But because of the the nature of ministry, I'm regularly reminded of just how broken we are as people, how much we need each other, how much we need God. Um, And and luckily, Sanctuary is a place where I can speak about my my need to do my own work and still be seen as a viable leader. Because there are places where a pastor has to 
give the impression that they have it all figured out. And now they're here to help everybody else figure out um, that. And so that's, that's a part of, of what it has been like to try and lead here. Um, on the lighter side of things, I'd say there are some things particularly that I love about leading here as a, as a black man leading this, this black-led, black-centered church. Um, there are relationships I have with, with kids um, in, in some ways where in the same way that I looked up to my pastor as almost like a, a superhero, like I know what that, that looks like in the eyes of other little kids. Um, this past Sunday on Easter, there was a, a mom who came up to me and introduced her son to me and said, um, when you were on stage, my son says, I'm going to go talk to him. Like, like he was, he was determined, like, I'm going to go and have a conversation with that guy. He, I'd never seen the kid around before. I think they were a newer family. Um, but I know what it's like to, to have, uh, to look up to people in places of authority, particularly in church. And, and I know that's happening. And so I, I take that seriously. I, I want to, as often as I can, I'm trying to say hello to all the kids. I'm trying to remember names. I'm trying to remember some some fact about who they are because I know that means something for them, and I love that. Um, I, I also know that beyond this church, there's a really cool opportunity that I have to represent and, and be a leader and a voice for, for good and change in this community. Um, and so even if a family never comes to sanctuary, I feel responsible in some ways to be a part of making this community a place that is good for them and their kids and, and for their futures as well. Um, and so those, those are just some of the things um, that I, I think about when you ask that question, what it's like. Um, the hardest part, I think, or one of the harder parts is, particularly because of our work around racial reconciliation and, and racial justice, biblical justice. I'm always having to um, be in a posture of being willing to teach, being a posture of, of willing to um, look past people being at different places on their journey and doing their work. And people make comments that they don't know are offensive and those kinds of things. And um, I don't get to like go off on somebody when they when they say something silly. Like there there is a sense in which I I am always responsible to be gracious to people, um, whether they recognize that graciousness or not. Um, and and so that that can pull on you. Um, and and there are just days where I, I leave exhausted from having to remember all the things that I'm responsible for and be mindful of so many other things. Um, and I, I really don't know how anybody could do this job uh, apart from the Holy Spirit and without God's presence, um, because it really is a, it's a, it's a big job. <laughs> it's a big job, and it, it pulls on you emotionally and mentally. Well, you do it well. Yeah. And we're thank so you. grateful. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, for all the ways that you show up for us as a staff <laughs> team, but also broadly as Thanks, our Pierre. pastor. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Well, um, you mentioned um, in the beginning, you know, that language of, of being a movement mm -hmm. here at Sanctuary. And mm -hmm. I want to dive into that a little bit more right. um, because we are really locally, hi almost hyper locally right. focused, not right. in a bad way. That's right. just who we are. And it makes sense for who we are. Um, but we also do call ourselves this multiplying movement, which right. for, at least for me, when I read that or hear that, it Im there's an implication or it, it implies that it's beyond just right here. Right. And so my question is, and especially as we 
consider, and as you shared recently about our partnership with World Vision mm -hmm. and this chosen initiative, right. Right. Uh, what, where do you see the parallels uh, between being a multiplying movement right. and our call to be, um, our call, uh, a partnership or um, whatever that might look like with our global neighbors? Yeah, yeah. I Again, Sanctuary has missionally um, from the very beginning been unapologetically committed to North Minneapolis. Like it's our home, it's our missional center. It receives priority for our, our ministries, our funding, our emphasis. And while people are from all over the Twin Cities um, are welcome to come and be a part, like there's, you can't be here long without realizing like this folk, these folks are really, really committed to North Minneapolis. Um, and that's been written into Sanctuary's DNA from the very beginning. And I feel like one of the things that has made us um, successful over the years is that we've not lost that. That has, it's looked different in different seasons and with different people and personnel, but that's always remained a focus. Um, but alongside that, there has always been that intentional language of sanctuary being a, a multiplying movement. And so there's always been a wondering is how I would describe it of what does it look like for us to to be present in other places, in other ways, to be a part of what God is doing in other places, whether that might be church planning considerations, whether that might mean um, global ministry in some ways. Pastor Ephraim and knowing him as a visionary leader, I, I don't think he wanted to box himself in. And so he, he used language around multiplying movements to say there is always the opportunity for us to consider um, what God might be calling us to beyond just here. It doesn't mean that here, and by here I mean North Minneapolis, will ever lose its place in our heart and affections. But it also means that we, we surely know God is up to good in other places. And there might be an opportunity for us to, to partner with God in some way in other places. Um, I, I think about what missions has looked like here at Sanctuary. Um, there's been partnership with a missionary in Honduras who was was from here, Melissa, and moved to Honduras to do really, really hyper-local ministry there. I think about the work that we're doing alongside Evans, who is um, from Haiti, came here, um, met his wife, but has moved back to Haiti um, to teach sustainable agriculture in his community. And so he's training people up to be able to not just get charity help, but to themselves be able to sustainably support themselves through farming and um, through uh, raising of, of livestock and that kind of stuff. And so even as you look at the kinds of things that we've said yes to beyond North Minneapolis, there's still a certain sanctuary flavor to it. Like we feel like the people who are in a place know best what they need and we want to see them empowered in some way to, to just own their own uplift, to not have to look to somebody to come in and save them. What does it look like for, for all of us to live into that agency, that power that God has given all of us? Regardless of if you're super, super poor, there's a power within you, a certain built-in dignity that God has given you. And we get to come alongside and help you see that as opposed to putting ourselves in the place of savior. And, and every year you come to convince us again that you're worth this X amount of dollars that we're giving you. And so there's, there's just a certain way. I think who we are at Sanctuary sets us up to say yes to some things beyond North Minneapolis. 
And as we have now hit this 20-year mark and we're asking ourselves, what is God calling us to next? We're just in a really, really good place now to, to think about what that looks like on a global stage. Um, and again, if there are some folks who are very much like this or that kind of thinkers, North Minneapolis is not going to lose its place of importance for us. I don't even know what the global thing is all going to look like, but I feel like I just really feel a really, really big urge to begin to pay attention to what God is doing on a global stage. And I think there are some ways in which it ties into back, back into what we're doing here as well. Absolutely. That's yeah. great. And I, I love how you framed that. And I think that there's something so rich and so powerful of that local focus, right. even when it is abroad. And right. Yeah. There, right. It, it definitely is that distinctive multiplied. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, as you shared with us recently with this partnership, I mean, it's really twofold, right? There's a, a part where we as um, the congregation get to partner and be a part of this chosen initiative um, through this sponsorship. Um, but there's right. also a part that you get to participate right. Right. Um, as our pastor right. through this trip to Ghana that's right. coming up. And so could you um, share a little bit more about that Tell us about that trip coming up, yeah. maybe a little bit about what's going to happen, um, what's, the, what's the plan for that, but also um, tell us more especially about what you're anticipating personally right. through this trip, through this time in Ghana. Right. And so World Vision is, has been a um, denominational partner of ours for, for a number of years, particularly in places like Congo, um, and um, parts of India as well. We and we've been engaged with that through um, Unite, what's now called Unite, which is a, a covenant gathering for youth, which used to be called Chick. Terrible name, good event, that kind of stuff. Um, so World Vision's not new to to our denomination. Maybe it will be familiar to many of our people, but we're we're taking part this year in what's called the Chosen Initiative, um, which is. They're, they've taken their traditional child sponsorship program and turned it on, turned it on its head. Um, traditionally, families will sign up to sponsor kids and they choose the kids that they want to sponsor. And so um, that's traditionally how it, how it has worked. Um, but going back to something I said earlier, there's a part of, I think, God calling us to empower people to see themselves as having voice and having um a part to play in their own well-being. And so they, three years ago, just right before the pandemic, created this chosen partnership where um, a family will say, hey, we are open to sponsoring one kid, two kids um, in this particular place around the world where you're, where there's a World Vision partner. Um, and, and they will take a picture as a family. And then World Vision goes to this place where they have this partnership and they allow kids to say, Here's the family that I want to choose. So I'm choosing you to be uh, my sponsor as opposed to being chosen by you. Um, it's a subtle um, shift, but I think it, the potential of it is incredible. And when I first heard about it, it was like, absolutely, that should have been the plan the whole time. Like, we should have been doing that all, the whole time. Um, but I'm glad that we, we are doing, doing it that way now. And so as a part of that, um, sanctuary families will, will, will be able to choose um, or take pictures to be chosen as sponsors. Um, and then I have the really cool opportunity alongside um, Pastor Ephraim and a small group of other pastors um, 
to go to Ghana and all the sanctuary families that have chose have, have allowed themselves to be chosen or um, to enter into this partnership, I'll take those pictures with me to Ghana and I'll actually be in the room as those kids come in, look over these sanctuary faces and say, I want this family to, to, to choose, I want to choose this family. Um, and so I'm excited about like that part of it. Um, but there's also a Sankofa element to it as well. Um, the work that I do here at Sanctuary, when I, when I talked about it earlier being hard or, or pulling a lot from you, it's because we talk so often around um, the idea of reconciliation. Um, despite like the historic wrongs in this country, particularly around issues of race, um, like we believe that God is a reconciler and that um, whereas society says black and white and Hispanic and Asian, we all need to be in our own corner, doing our own thing, um, seeing each other as threats to, to our own well-being. I think the Bible calls us to see each other as brother, um, to, to learn what it is to speak truth in love, to, to hold people accountable, but also be willing to forgive. All those things I think the gospel very clearly calls us to. Um, and, and for me, trying to lead our church to do that in, in some intentional ways and in ways that I hope will be even more intentional in the future, it takes a lot from from you. Um, and, and for me, that idea of Sankofa and the idea of home and reset is really, really important. And so if you listen to me when I preach here at Sanctuary, you'll hear me talk a lot about South Carolina. You'll hear me talk a lot about my grandmother and the, the church mothers in the small Baptist church where I grew up. All those things for me are like, that's me saying, here's who I am. Here's what's within me that allows me to do this work. The only reason I can encourage people to, to connect across class, race, gender, all those things is because these folks have prayed for and worked for um, and, and paved the ground for me to get where I am. Um, and, and I'm here. I'm standing on their shoulders. That's the only way I can do the work. And I really do feel like um, as much as that has been helpful and sustainable and meaningful, there's still something missing in me. And I want to be able to continue to serve this church well long into the future. And so I need to reach back beyond South Carolina. I need to reach beyond my grandmother. I, I need to reconnect in, in my mind to, to my story before these U.S. shores um, so that I can know more of who I am and so I can stand authentically in this place and call people, regardless of where they're from, brother, sister, and fully mean it. And, and, and it really is for me about um, looking back to a place that had been a point of rupture and break and saying, Lord, can you heal this thing? And so while I'm in, in Ghana as a part of this sponsorship trip, um, we'll get to spend some time at the, um, the, the castles there on the coast, looking at places where slaves were bought before they were put on ships to come to, um, to the West and um, to the Americas. We'll get to go to some of the, the places where slaves were, were um, bathed before they were put on those ships. We'll get to navigate some of those tight spaces where they were stored and that kind of stuff. Um, but 
but we're going there not just to rehash up the hard things, but to ask God to, in this place where there's been so much hurt, can you begin a healing work? Um, and, and so we're, we're hoping that through that experience, alongside what we're doing in the sponsorship, we're hoping um, that I and the other pastors who are going on this trip, actually, the work won't be done when we get back, but that we've begun a healing work that would allow us to, to minister in a more deep way. Um, I was trying to describe this all to both the staff and our elders recently, and sometimes I I hear something come out of my mouth and I didn't intend to say it, but it, I know it's my heart's posture. I share with them, I need this trip. Um, and so I don't know what all that means. I don't know what is all underneath that, but I, I know I need this trip so that I can continue to do what God is calling me to do here. So. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate your vulnerability and your yeah. honesty in sharing that. And even the same emotion that you right. shared then, um, because the spirit is doing something. Right. Yeah. And right. so um, looking forward to just hearing how God moves through yeah. you in that time. And, yeah. and it just feels like this like deepening, right? This like deepening personally, yeah. but also, I mean, certainly there's impacts as well for... Um, to inv invigorate maybe yeah, your certainly, your calling certainly. to sanctuary. Yeah, I man, if if I could like write the script, I I want to go there, reconnect to to my people in a in a particular kind of way, um, and then come back like with more fuel to keep doing what I'm doing here. But it's not just about me. Um, when I shared the story with the staff team. Um, Ms. Francine, who is the, the eldest member of our team um, and has contributed so much in such a short time on our team, she began to talk about um, her desire to, to do something similar and, and never having had the opportunity to connect to Africa in a meaningful way. Um, I believe this is like maybe I'm going first, but I, this is not just about me. Like, I think everybody needs this. Um, in some way, perhaps we don't know what it looks like yet, but I think perhaps God is opening all of our eyes to the need to just reconnect to this place, Africa, that we call home in ways that we don't even know. Like there, there were things that were stolen from from black people specifically when we were brought taken from our homeland and brought here. We don't even know yet what all was was like ruptured in that. And I think a part of healing is reconnecting in tangible ways to that place and those people, to the culture. Um, and so I'm excited for that. It's scary and it's very, very um, like inspiring at the same time that something that I've been and my people have been, um, have the enemy tried to take from us, that we really have a tangible opportunity to reconnect to it. Um, and so I'm excited. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, when we, when you shared this with our staff team, we had just a really incredible conversation just yeah. around how, and almost a, not surprising, but it was just almost invigorating to talk about our call to reconciliation right. in, a, in a deepened way. Right. Because I think, at least from my perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong, but at least in the beginning of Sanctuary, it felt like the work of reconciliation was definitely white-centered right. in the sense of like, we're trying to convince all you white people at Sanctuary 
that racism is real, right. that it's against the gospel, right. and that we should live our lives in a different way, right? right. But right. it seems as though there's this potential to truly uh, almost reclaim right. our call to reconciliation to right. be black-centered right. in it. Right. And I guess it just makes me ask the question of, how do you think this trip will shape you as right. the lead pastor at Sanctuary and our call collectively yeah. of reconciliation? Yeah, my, my prayers, the prayers I've been praying so far is um, that it, it would be uh, reinvigorating and in, in, that I, I would just be able to come back refreshed in some ways. Um, I, I also pray that it would be clarifying in, in that um, that I, maybe I won't have a ton of answers when I come back, but I'll have better questions when I come back. Um, I, I, I also believe that um, I'll just have a deeper appreciation for uh, the the resilience of my people to survive all the hard things that we've had to endure um, on the continent and here in the Americas. And out of that love for my people, I, I think um, is an empowerment to love all people well. And again, I, I don't know what all that's going to look like, but I I know for sure that I, I'm gonna I'm not gonna be the same when I come back, um, and hopefully I'm better in some ways. Um, and I go back to this idea that it's not just me. Maybe I'm going first, but I believe this will open a door for others to reclaim some of what they've um, lost or just been been disconnected from as well. So I, I'm I'm super excited, and uh, who knows what all God is up to, but I, I trust God enough that um, to know that this is something for this moment that I should be doing. So He's brought us this far. Right. Yeah. Right. Amen. Well, Amen. I hope that when you come back, we can sit down again and have another conversation <laughs> on Sundays Absolutely. and beyond and, Absolutely. and hear more. Well, yeah. how can we be praying for you? I, I think all the things we talked about here today, um, just pray for, for my clarity um, pray for this trip to be an opportunity for me to um, like be present with God, be present with uh, the people there in Ghana, be present with the kids who will get to meet. Um, pray for my family uh, while I'm gone. Um, for their, their, They'll be fine, but also just pray for what this can mean for our family. Um, I think the biggest prayer is for our church. Like, what does this mean for us as a church? Um, what is God calling us to be? What are the new things God calling us to lean is calling us to lean into? Who are the people who right now aren't super active and engaged, um, but that this will be the thing that will cause a light to come on for them, and they feel like that's the place I need to be contributing. Um, I, I say this all the time. Like I think we we haven't even scratched the surface yet of who we will be as a church. Um, this is a place where I feel like the, the opportunities are endless for how God might use us to be a blessing to, to folks all around the world. Um, and I personally believe that as we are a blessing to others, we're always residually blessed as well. And so um, not to say we do it for selfish reasons, but we bless others freely knowing that God is going to bless us as well. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, we will be praying for you and we're um, lifting you up and excited to... Yeah, see the new PE. The new PE, <laughs> right, right. Yes, yes, right, absolutely. Definitely a transformed, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. 
Well, Sanctuary, thanks for joining us for this <laughs> Sunday and beyond conversation. Yeah. And tune in for our next conversation. Yeah.